every Arizona homeowner's best friend, and it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Come on around back, Arizona, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the outdoor living hour. We have Jay Harper of the Farm's Choice joining us. If you'd like to talk about anything related to your garden, landscape, plants, one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. When you hear the auto attendant just hit number one, it'll bypass the auto attendant, put you right into the studio. You can send text questions to 411 923 or email info at rosieonthehouse.com if you need to snap a picture and send it uh, for a little help on plant or insect identification. You can reach it, uh, send us a visual aid that way and help you identify what it is you're working on. I don't know about you, but my to do, I've got to hit the uh, nursery and get some fertilizer for my winter lawn. I have a beautiful back winter lawn, I cannot get the front to germinate. And I don't know if that's because of the dogs play on the grass and I can't keep everything off of it. But I can't put them in the backyard and keep them fenced in while the front germinates because then they dig the whole thing up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a conundrum. (laughs) Um, And it's going to be really slow germinating now. You know, out where you are, you're probably getting down well into the 30s every morning. Um, So it's going to be slow coming now. Make sure you put a lot of dark material on it compost manure uh you know that'll help it'll help hold in some heat hold in some moisture um and uh and try not to water it too much now you know we 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 water it like crazy in october when it's hot and we're trying to germinate it now it's cold and water will cool the soil temperature down even more so just keep it moist enough to get the seed to germinate but not so wet that the soil temperatures are any colder than they have to be. And what should I be watering the back lawn like every once a day? Oh gosh, no. Um, every other day, probably at the most. I assume it's uh, it's been mowed a time or two. Once. Been mowed once. And that's not saying it doesn't need it again. I just haven't been around. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, usually after the second mowing, you can go to your kind of whatever your schedule is going to be for the winter, which. You know, with with no rain, you know, and it, uh, we had a rain what a week ago. You could probably start watering again. You could have probably had it off for the last week. Um, and then uh, every other day, you know, ten to twenty minutes, depending on how your system's set up, should be plenty in in dry stretches. Some winters we've had rain, like last winter. I there was probably a very long stretch where you didn't have to water your lawn at all. Um, so it stays, soils stay wet a long time right now when the days are super short and it's pretty darn cool. Um, you know, that you can, you can cut her way back maybe just a couple times a week. You know, that rain that we got last week when I came home, the, it was over a week and the ground was still wet on the north side of the house right. where it doesn't get any sunlight. Right. Sunlight. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it, it stays wet a long time. So uh, if you haven't, that's a great tip for right now, is if you if you haven't made a trip out to your sprinkler controller, you know that square thing that's mounted on the side of your house? <laughs> it's got a little, little plastic thing that's supposed to be a lock that really doesn't lock that much. But anyway, open that sucker up 
And if you didn't turn it off when we got the last rain, uh, at least reschedule it for at least half of what you were watering this last summer, maybe a fourth of what you were watering during the summer months. Right now is when we can really save water. It's tough to get. It's tough to tell people, hey, you can save water when we have 60 days of 110-degree weather. Um, but right now, when we are very normal temperature-wise, save maybe Save the water below, for the coming summer. Exactly. Let's, let's cut back when we can. And, and most people way over water this time of year because they don't even adjust it at all. So please adjust those sprinkler timers. And for fertilizing on the winter lawn, it's a little different fertilizer. Can I use the same if I've still got some granule left over? Well, certainly uh, ammoniacal nitrogen, certain nitrogens are very slow uh, this time of year because the 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 microorganisms that have to break down nitrogens for them to be usable by the plant are, you know, it's cold. <laughs> They're not working too hard. Um, so using something that's got more of a, a nitrate-type nitrogen, like uh, Turf Royale, um, is probably the most common one out there, uh, are typically more effective in the cold weather because they are they just need less conversion by the microorganisms to, to be usable by the plant. That's, you know, a way oversimplification for you chemists out there. Sorry, but um, uh, that's the easiest way to explain it. Uh, organic fertilizers will work. They're going to, you know, they're always a little slower anyway, so they're going to be a little slower. But keeping some, some organic material in the soil is, uh, uh, or on the ground in the lawn uh, will sometimes aid in how these other nitrogens work and how the microorganisms gives them a healthier place to live and flourish in. Um, so we, we advocate using uh, organics when you can. Um, the one thing you really don't want to do is let that winter lawn yellow out. And that's usually what happens with overwatering, with cold nighttime temperatures, and or if we get our first frost. And that grass then gets kind of yellowed out. It can be really hard to get it turned back around and greened back up once it's gotten cold and gets yellow. So keep it well well nourished um, if you can. And I've also noticed a lot of strange things that I haven't seen before. Like we have a decent amount of citrus, but the trees don't look like they're normal. Uh, the pecans, we didn't get any pecans, and they're already losing their leaves uh, Three out of four of them are completely uh, dormant already. It was just a long, hot summer, and it just well, things are a little off. If you'll notice some of the deciduous trees, like particularly Chinese pistache, how much more colorful they are this this fall. And things losing their leaves a little early or is just a sign of stress. Those trees just got that crud beat out of them this summer. Um, they're stressed, and they just said, okay, enough. I'm done. And slough that foliage, and uh, it's great for fall color. Um, uh, and the trees went. Now, I have noticed that citrus, because it stayed warm so long, the citrus fruits are slower coloring up. That doesn't mean they're not ripe. That just means the skin flush or the skin uh, coloring is not as brilliant, because cold weather is what does that. In the tropics, Citrus fruits never completely change color. They stay pretty green. They're still ripe, still good to eat, still taste good, but they don't get that 
vibrant color that we get. Hmm. So um, that's just due to the fact that it stayed. Now, they're coloring up pretty good now that it cooled off, but um, that has been slower. I've noticed that. A lot of a lot of strange things happen after what was it sixty days of one hundred and ten plus. Yeah, something close to that. I don't know if we quite hit sixty or maybe we're over sixty. I don't remember. I I, I want to forget. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things about this year. Yeah, we we, we're trying to forget as much of that as we can. Jay, I have a pecan tree in my neighborhood. It's just starting to lose its leaves. But the mm-hmm. the weird thing you mentioned the pecans, uh, Romy, they're still on the tree. Some of the shells are just starting to open. Others still have the green shell on them. And they're, I, I, who knows if they'll be good or not, or if, even if they'll fall. It's just bizarre to see a pecan tree look that way this late. Yeah, and when it stays warm, sometimes the actual, they'll, they'll, they'll sprout out of the nut shell. You'll get a, they'll germinate. It, 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 it can cause some, some different stuff to happen for sure. But, uh, you know, I, we we go on, we adapt. So um, it's it's certainly beautiful weather right now. So it's a great time to to be feeding the lawn, to be you know planting winter color. Um, you know, you can still be planting your leafy greens for for your vegetable garden. I'm I'm seeing a lot of gardens at clients' uh, homes and oh, stuff. That, yeah, getting tomatoes in, and I mean, I I saw a tomato plant the other day. It just blew me away. If you can, you know, I mean, we had a warm enough fall, it would have been, it would have, I don't normally advocate fall tomato plants, but this would have been a good fall to add one or peppers. Man. Oh, yeah. The peppers are are doing fantastic. Yeah. Because it stayed, you know, relatively warm, uh, perfect tomato and pepper weather, you know, right through the fall till about now. Um, If you do have some and you you need to watch, if if we're going to get a, a frost or a freeze. This is usually about the time we do it. Mm-hmm. Usually right before or after Christmas. It's been like. close a night or two. Been, been, been pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> white roofs. The tile roofs. Yes. Right. Asphalt shingle roofs have been white <laughs> yeah. in the neighborhood. So it it's it's close. I had after that rain uh, last week. I, you know, I have a a boat cover on on my boat, and there was some ponding, and there was ice on the water on the uh-huh. canvas boat cover. Mm-hmm. So it it got close. So. You know, be be hesitant, be careful. If you got basil, tomato plants, pepper plants, those tender things, and you and you've gotten them this far, you probably want to make sure they're covered and make it the rest of the way. We've got a text from Bill and Gilbert wants to know if he should fertilize a windmill palm tree this month. Probably not going to do much good to fertilize palms when it's this cold. Um, you know, they're they're warm weather plant. Um, it wouldn't hurt anything, but the problem is that fertilizer is just not going to get synthesized and used by the palm when it's when it's cold like this. They're not growing. Uh, we're going to fertilize things right before they grow or during their growth uh, cycles or, or seasons, and, and uh, putting fertilizer in a palm tree is just going to make the fertilizer company more money right now. <laughs> <laughs> We've got our holiday plant care uh, topic coming up if you follow along in our home maintenance calendar. You saw that as uh, the topic for today. And we also have a, a little special that we're going to do, a little uh, hero in horticulture here at Rosie on the House. That text question was sent in to 411-923. You can also join the conversation at one 767 4348 That's one 888 rosie for you really But baby, it's cold outside. Got to go but away. baby, it's cold outside. This evening has 
You know, I guess this is <clears throat> the last broadcast we'll have before Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas. So, Merry then. Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> Merry Christmas. Absolutely. And, and keep those uh, tender plants uh, warm as possible. Right. Because, baby, it's cold outside. So we have not got our Christmas tree yet. As something I'm going to pick up on the way home. Somebody said there's not any left in the valley. I find that hard to believe. I was at the Whitfields and Gilbert yesterday, and they have a beautiful selection. So I have to go to Gilbert. Well, I, they, you know what? They had some beautiful trees. I'm sure there's others out there, but that's not exactly on your way home. No, I, I figured there had to be something. But we uh, were traveling uh, last week, and so we thought, well, there's no point to put up a tree, and we didn't want a dead tree inside the house while we're yeah. not there watering it. Yeah. And, and so we've, we're going to have a very short window here of our Christmas tree, but... For uh, somebody that's had the tree up since Thanksgiving, and that's a lot of family traditions as you put it up after Thanksgiving or shortly thereafter, tree's already pretty brittle. You touch it, needles are going to fall off. I mean, we've got uh, as much water as you could possibly put in, but a lot of times at that point, it doesn't even take water anymore. It's that right. that dead. Yeah. And there, there's just not much you can do. Just be careful. <laughs> and the, and get it take it down the day after Christmas. Um you know, if it's it's all about water. You know, keeping them wet. You take, you know, when you buy the tree, make them give it a fresh cut. Take it right home and get it in water. Again, uh, even if you're not putting it up, put it in a bucket of water. Get it in the shade. Keep it keep it cool and wet. And once you get it in the house, make sure that stand never runs out of water. Um, and then don't put it next to the fireplace or next to where the the heater registers blowing on it or, uh, you know, it's, you know, in a drafty place, keep it in a, you know, as cool a place in the house. I wouldn't put it in front of a big window or the sun is beating through the window on it, you know, give it a chance. (laughs) I mean, it's dead. It's been cut. Um, it is, it is going to die. It's going to dry up. Um, so you're just trying to prolong that as long as you can. Now, what about other holiday plants? I know poinsettias. Is that something popular all over the country, or is that just a, a Arizona thing? No, no, it's a it's a all over the country. I Europe, uh, you know, it's pretty much worldwide. It's recognized as a as a symbol of Christmas, and um, so it's certainly not here, uh, just here. Uh, poinsettias have really evolved over the years into lots of different shapes and colors and, you know, even the different blooms or some that have curly bloom or they're really not blooms, sorry, the colored leaves are all like in a snowball looking uh, like a hydrangea, if you know what that looks like. Um, so it, it, it's, they're even, they even do some fancy painting on them and putting glitter and stuff like that on them. So you can get pretty creative with them. And somebody once told me they were poisonous. I thought, well, I don't know. I've had them inside the house every year as long as I can remember, and I haven't. <laughs> I don't eat them, so. <laughs> you know, technically, they're, a, they're a, you know, in the, that family of plants, the euphorbias, that have a milky sap, and that milky sap can be an irritant. It could make you sick if you, you know, ingested enough of it. You, you certainly don't want to wipe it in your eyes or get it in places like that. Um, I don't know that there's ever been anybody die from 
eating a bite. You'd probably have to eat 10 of them or something. I don't know. but And why you would eat one uh, to you know, begin it can't, with. It can't taste good. You know, I, oleanders are big. And oleanders are definitely poisonous, but I've put uh, oleander in my mouth just to try it, and I cannot imagine how you could stand to eat enough of that. <laughs> it is the most awful thing in the world. Um, so that's that's usually the case with most of those things. You'd have to almost go out of your way. Or it'd have to get blended in or mixed in with something else um, before you could do it. So I guess technically it is probably toxic, um, but um, I, I I wouldn't worry too much about it unless you got a unless you got a, a pet that just loves to eat plants. Um, then you probably don't have any plants anyway. But <laughs> it could be an issue. And then I think the last one on the list is Christmas cactus. Yeah, zygo cactus, uh, Christmas cactus, just a succulent that. Tends to color up this time of year. They're they're really neat because they live. There are people I know that have them that are several generations old. They've been handed down from generation to generation, and they're very hardy. Um, they do well indoors with good bright light. They do well on a shaded patio. Um, they're they're easy to care for. They they don't need much care, um, and they're a beautiful uh, flowering plant for this. And they flower, you know. F- all through the winter and into the spring even. So that's a neat, if you're looking for something a little different, it's very southwestern looking as well. So that's a, that's a great idea as a gift plant because it's a lot easier to take care of and will last a long time. And is that something you need to put on a windowsill? Does it need light? Can you? needs moderately good light, yeah. I mean, you know, you don't want to put it in the darkest room in the house. Um, but... Uh, it needs relatively good light. Doesn't need a lot of water. Likes to get very dry between waterings. It is a succulent, um, so it'll it'll bloom better if it's out in fairly bright light. And they have kind of a cycle. You you can you know rest them after they're done blooming, putting them in a darker spot, letting them dry out, and then bringing them back out, putting them in the light water, and they'll cycle back into color. Some little tricks you can play with them, but um, it's a great plant. And that's the Christmas cactus, and you can pick those up at any local nursery, garden most, center. Most local nurseries and garden centers will have them this time of year, yes. All right. We've got bottom of the hour news break. We can do a lot, but we can't stop the clock. The music signals are bottom of the hour. one 767 4348 That's one rosie for you if you'd like to join the conversation. We also have a handful of texts, and then uh, we'll get to our, our little special uh, hero and horticultural segment coming up next. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. Ho, ho, ho! He's making a list and checking it twice. He's gonna find out... Everybody's having to work a little harder to find a reason to be grateful, cheerful and happy. And that's what we try and do at Rosie and House is redirect your attitude to gratitude, love and peace and happiness, and kiss 2020 goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be happy to see Woo! you go. <laughs> what, what, what is today, the 19th? So we're down like less than 15 days here, 13, 12 days left. Brand new year, brand new, uh, you know, 
Brand new sunrise. It's a beautiful day, and this is the Outdoor Living Hour. We're talking about anything you want to talk about, your landscape, lawns, gardens. We've covered uh, winter lawn care. We've covered uh, just a little bit of what the long, hot summer has done. We've talked about holiday plants. And right now, uh, this isn't anything we're going to do regularly, but we're going to have a, a little spotlight here, a hero in local horticulture. And this isn't, I think this is going to be fun, but again, we're not going to make this a regular thing because then you've got to go out and find it and then you start stretching it. And, you know, this is the 32nd year of the broadcast. And when you try and make something a regular feature, you find out after a year or two, you've kind of cycled through a lot of... Yeah, well, there aren't that many of... horticulture heroes in <laughs> horticulture out there. <laughs> you, you start to get stretched on the material. Yeah. But this just came uh, across my desk this week, and I thought, you know, we, we should take a minute and just highlight uh, Terry Michael, who has been a hero in horticulture, an Arizona native, born in 1984, December 29th. 48. 1948. 19, what did I say? 84. 84 yeah. 48. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> let, me, let me take another shot of coffee here. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a guest on the program a few times. And at that time, we had a woman by the name of Carolyn Skakowski who was helping produce the show. And she would, at the end of the broadcast, give us a rating and, you know, critique us here and there. And she always loved when Terry Michael came on because she said, I never know what he was talking about, but the <laughs> amount of enthusiasm he could give to dirt or a carrot or a leaf or, or a branch. She's like, he had every question that he was asked and he would took on air. It was like he was so excited to be asked and talking about it. And she goes, and I have no idea what it was, but he made it sound so interesting. <laughs> That's that. That sums him up pretty well. Um, yeah, Terry, we lost Terry yesterday. Um, uh, had a long battle with the stroke and some other complications. Um, but Terry Michael, Terry was a was a county extension agent. You know, when I kind of started growing up in the business, and uh, he's a little older than I am, but uh, he was always willing to speak at something, be a guest on a radio show, write an article for you. Uh, teach a class, just show up for moral support if you were having an event of some kind. Anything to do with, with plants, planting, he judged it. I think every state, he made almost every county fair in the state of Arizona to be a, to be a judge um, because of his love and enthusiasm for uh, all things green and growing. Um, and uh, his, uh, he always, he, he had a, Notorious habit of tasting things. So you would see so, and I think there's something about horticulturists. Is that what made my, you taste oleander? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, you know, and my dad will do that. We'll be out hunting or walking through, and he'll pick something up and stick it in his mouth, and I'm like, so it must, it must go hand in hand with, with being a horticulturist. You just think you got to. Now taste since it. you've gone to work at Hickman's Chicken Fertilizer, I place, haven't you, taken. No. <laughs> I kind of, okay. I kind of can right. imagine what that might okay. taste like. So no, I, yeah, Ouch. no, yeah, no, not not happening. Uh, I've breathed a lot of it in, uh, and probably tasted it that that way. But uh, uh, I just checked. Yeah, thank you. Now um, I for Trina, I, I was just checking for Trina's <laughs> sake. <laughs> I'm not somebody that watches uh, a, a lot of TV, and I, I had no idea he had, he had a tv show the farm and home show 
on Channel 10 in the 80s? Well, the count, the, uh, I guess it was a county extension probably had the show. A guy named Bob Halverson did it for years and years and years before that, many years. Anybody who's been around here a long time probably remembers Bob doing the show. And then Bob retired. Terry took the show over. It was a recorded show, but it was, you know, Farm and Home, the old Farm Report, you know, the old, uh, what was the, was it Green Acres, the TV show that had the guy doing the Farm and Home Report shows, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, Terry did that program and did uh, a lot of work uh, with the Master Gardeners uh, in Maricopa County. And uh, any, anybody that's been uh, in and around nurseries and plants and, and uh, horticulture, you know, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, probably has a lot of fond memories uh, of Terry. So uh, my, my, one of my fondest memories, though, it has nothing to do with plants. So he, uh, he went to that educational institution closer to the border. U of A. Yeah, oh, yeah, U of A. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, and uh, so we always had a friendly bet on the on the ASU U of A game, and for some reason we came we come we came to find out that we both liked uh, spam, which not a lot of people do, but I love the, it. The canned meat. Canned meat. Yeah. Okay. Well, some people might question if it's meat. It's <laughs> yeah, meat. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> um, but uh, so we always bet a can of spam on the ASU U of A game, and uh, you know. I think I have more cans of spam than he does, but uh, I, that that'll always be a very fond memory uh, of of Terry. The, the spam exchange. The spam exchange, yeah. And so we would the next year double or nothing, double or nothing. <laughs> that went on for a long time, but uh, he'll be missed in the in the green industry um, community. It's a pretty small community, and and he meant a lot to a lot of people. And you had talked about you know making all the county fairs. This is a uh, something Steve Preby shared with me, he would go on what they call the river run, you know, up the Colorado River to the county fairs, and he would line up just to make it so he wouldn't have to keep going back and forth, sure. back and forth. Yeah. He would go to Lake Havasu Thursday for the Master Gardeners from 6 to 9 p.m. Then the next day he'd go to Bullhead City 9 to noon and then go up to Kingman for one more class, 1 to 4. I mean, that's that's serious dedication. I don't know as a Master Gardener, you don't even get paid to go – present those i mean and if you do it doesn't cover your gas to get from <laughs> tucson to lake havasu <laughs> yeah he uh, he loved helping people and anybody that showed any interest in in anything uh any kind of gardening or landscaping or trees he was uh, more than willing to to try and help them along their journey and understanding and and growing that passion and he would also go up to Young, Arizona. That's not an easy town to get to. You have to be, uh, you know, prepared and determined to get there, and not only yeah, get so there but get back on so the. Gila same. County has an interesting deal. They have, they have a, a a county fair in Payson, and they have one in Globe. And back in those days, they also had a small one in Young. It's such a, you know, it's not a horribly large county, but it's hard to get from one end of it to the other, and. Uh, it's so, not yeah. a flatland county like uh, Maricopa no. and yeah. Pima and Pinal. And- so yeah, he would. Uh, yeah, did all the did all the. I remember uh, we we shared a very dear friend, uh, Eloise McNulty, who had a nursery in Globe, and he and she was, you know, she was she was the Gila County Fair in Globe, 
and uh, Terry would always uh, go up and help Eloise, you know, set up displays and judge that that fair. So, and I guess my point with all of that, Arizona is very terrain wise, uh, diverse and very different. And we get calls and questions from different parts of the region, and a lot of times, we're like, well, you need to find a local nursery in your area. Well, that he could go to all those different places and those different elevations and different soil conditions, and still be able to help people on a local basis in their own community. I mean, that's that's an extensive amount of, of knowledge. Well, or, or or an extensive amount of want to. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, he just he just was willing and wanting to help. So, and even when he came on air, he had a book he always carried with him, and that was like his his comfort blanket. Do you remember what book that was? I, tried, I do not. I, I tried to find it, but it was you know it was a book on obviously plants and horticulture. And he's like, oh no, I I he never once opened it, and all the times he came on the broadcast, but he always held it with him. It was like his little security, his little that. plant yes. Bible <laughs> that mm. he always carried with him. But huh. that, I, I, uh, I, know, I don't remember that. That's so interesting. He's uh, he did he, he did his time, and what would you say? He's, he's got his his toes in the big black soil in the sky. <laughs> uh, yes, he does, and <laughs> and he's and, every, and everything he tastes up there will be will be fine. I don't think there's anything that can hurt you. We need to worry about. <laughs> yeah, poinsettias there. are like a treat up there. <laughs> That's right. They're candy. That's oh, right. Man. He also was was a was a went in the Marine Corps right out of high school too. So served his country. Uh, that way as well. So. A Tucsonan native, right? Yes. Native Pu- Pueblo High, I think. Pueblo High School. Yeah. So he's our hero in our, horticulture. Our horticulture, horticultural hero, Terry so we, Michael. Now, so we have man. to define, I mean, how how else do you... See, how, how that's do you, why I said I'm may, not going to make it a we, segment. We may, we may never have another one after that. <laughs> right, right. I mean, well, it's going to be a hard like, one to talk. I'd like to be a candidate for next year. <laughs> you were talking about a Christmas cactus surviving mm-hmm. generations. Right. I I had a Christmas cactus survive two generations of gerbils. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> well, getting gerbils to survive that long is an accomplishment. Well, uh, <laughs> it, it, it was a total of about three and a half years, but it yeah. was two generations of gerbils. Well, that's a step in the right direction. <laughs> the longest I ever had anything live at my house. <laughs> Plant-wise. Yeah, yeah, y'all have a pretty good track record with kids. Yeah, kids and grandkids. <laughs> we haven't lost one yet. <laughs> All right, we've got our final segment of Rosie on the House coming up, our outdoor living hour uh, here at Rosie on the House. We have a number of text questions that have come in that we'll rifle through, and uh, there's still time to, if you'd like to join the conversation at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. So if you tried calling before, I was wondering why all the voicemails were piling up at the office. So that's a strange <laughs> time for people to call the office. We've had some serious phone troubles this week. We had some internet troubles. We just it's, had some. It's still 2020. Some man. digital demons. I mean, we. <laughs> and they're not even sure uh, exactly what fixed it. Well, we'll replace this. Ah, oh, this is 10 years old. Try that. Well, this is 15 years old. Try that. And all of a sudden it and that- started working again. So if you tried to call the broadcast and didn't get through, it is working now. I just... And I can prove you were asking, Dad, were you at the office when this went down? <laughs> I can you, prove. You I was getting witnesses. something notarized at the bank 
and it's dated and date stamped. And I can prove to you I you wasn't there. there when it crashed. I know nothing. I know nothing. I know nothing. I see nothing. <laughs> there is the direct uh, into studio line as well, 602-277-5827. But we have the 1-800 number, or not the one eight, the 888 number for anyone that's out of Maricopa County. Make it a free call to you, one 4348 That's one 888 for you, and we do answer that all during the week. We have a, a little on-site report. You've heard us talk with... Uh, Justin Rahner, who's been working on this Queen Creek Botanical Gardens, and I have not made it out there since it's open, but I do understand, Carol, you've made it out in person. Kissing llamas. <laughs> Kissing well, llamas. Well, Mom and I had <laughs> the pleasure of going last weekend because we had the house to ourselves, so we decided to go to Christmas at Pecan Lake. It's a $10 entry fee, and that fee covers your ability to access local artisans Food trucks that were amazing. The taco truck, let me tell you, is definitely worth stopping at. Mom loves kettle corn. They had a whole truck for that. Places for you to sit outside, heaters, a string quartet. You could sit on the lawn and watch Elf. And you could take a horse-drawn carriage through the pecan trees. It was just magical. Super family-friendly and definitely worth the $10. That would be a new Arizona family holiday tradition. This is their first year. Absolutely. And if you do have the opportunity to go, make sure that you go on top of the windmill at the bot- at the back of the lake. It's beautiful. That's where Santa and Miss Is Claus are. You can go visit them. And if you happen to take a look down at the floor, you'll see our Rosie on the House seal. Take a selfie with our seal, and maybe you'll get a chance to be featured on our Facebook page. Oh, all right. Get famous. <laughs> Very good. And that's next to the Queen Creek Equestrian Center. I don't remember the exact intersections, um, and Carol's now screening the calls that are coming in to talk to you at the end of the <laughs> end of the hour because we got Ooh, the phones worked it's out. A sprint now, <laughs> but just look up Queen Creek uh, Botanical Gardens, and you know that's a, a very interesting area because you've got you know hundred year old pecan trees and agriculture, and you know farms laid out. It's a flat area, and you know the canal system. So you've got a you know a, the, the, this very old area of agriculture and then you've got all these brand new subdivisions going up on all these sections it's like the the emergence of two worlds all coming together yeah the the new crop being planted out there is houses (laughs) (laughs) and they're and they're all growing californians yeah 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 Yeah. well and a lot of them are, are uh like the overflow of the next generation from Mesa Gilbert Chandler that yes. are getting, you know, affordable housing a little bit farther out. So there are there are some locals that are ending up out there and we have uh you still a lot of great things out there. You still have Schnupp Farms is still out there. Yep. You've got the Queen Creek Olive Mill still out there. You've got the pork shop, which is a phenomenal place to get a pork burrito if you're just passing oh, by and you're chilly. hungry. Yeah, ooh. Oh. Mm, baby. And not even they don't even have to be hot. Last time <laughs> the first time I went, I bought a couple and I didn't even heat up the next. One. I'm like, man, these are good cold too. So you can you can load up for the whole day. There you go. And uh, and then now the Queen Creek Botanical Gardens and the the nice water mill that they've got there that they actually are using for for milling. Oh wow, neat. Yeah, they they had some old school guys come in and show them exactly how to how to put that together specifically for 
for milling. And, and the location, again, for the Queen Creek Botanical Gardens, it's off of Riggs Road on South 206th Street in Queen Creek. Which doesn't sound that bad with the freeways anymore. Mm-hmm. You, you can get right. out there pretty quick. We've got a texture that called in and wants to know how much they should be watering their raised bed garden right now. Well, you know, there again, that's tough to answer without knowing how they're watering it. Um, it stays wet a long time now, so really, uh, you know, go out there and touch the soil. You know, <laughs> don't taste it like Terry would have, but but actually stick your finger in it. And that see was a how, soil probe. See how wet exactly. See how wet it is. I, I would guess no more than once or twice a week, um, if that. So it, it's going to stay wet along. Even raised beds are going to stay wet. They'll dry out quicker than the ground, but they're still going to stay wet a long time. And so that's I, I, that surprised me. I would think it's still every day on the vegetable gardens, but oh, if gosh, you're watering no. good enough, no. you. If you're watering good enough, you know, if you're just not giving it a little squirt, um, it ought to go several days. And Miss Ruth from Surprise, Arizona, wants to know when and how to trim and prune pear trees. Okay, well, about now, they, you know, wait till they lose their leaves. They're a deciduous tree. So once the leaves have all come off, which should be now or in a, in a little bit, uh, then then you would uh, you do your pruning as a dormant tree. Um, you know, I, I always tell people, if in doubt, don't, um, you know, don't just start pruning. Um, but pears tend to want to grow real tight and vertical. So you might more than anything else need to just open it up a little bit in the middle. They can get kind of choked up and tight. And, uh, so you might want to go in there and take some of the, some of the interior branches out and get it a little opened up and maybe just shorten the branches by, 20 or 30 percent clean up anything that you know a lot of fruit trees tend to sucker really bad put off new growth right down there below the graft off the rootstock take those off and uh, you know just kind of clean it up a bit don't do too much my uh my letter to santa claus was a three-point mount wood chipper that attaches to the tractor that way i don't have another engine uh-huh. to manage and then that's cheaper than sure. buying a chipper yeah, with the yeah. our orchard's big enough and i'm pruning it enough i've got a big enough wood stack and i'm just going to chip it right back into the orchard mulch it all mulch it yeah. all right back in and we've got three peach trees that need a serious pruning this i mean they've gotten thick i've hardly touched them and they're now all north of eight years old and uh they're just a beautiful beautiful pink blossom in the in the spring, yeah, one pretty. of my favorite favorite trees, just for that short three week window, uh, I look forward to every spring. It's like <laughs> yeah, neat. So, uh, just making sure Santa Claus heard that. That's all. <laughs> chipper, chipper, <laughs> chipper. Done right. Three point tractor attached wood chipper. Right. <laughs> I heard handsaw. <laughs> <laughs>